The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like the show, I encourage you to share it with a colleague, uh, a friend, an enemy. If you want to punish them with this podcast, please do. We like that, too. And if you want your own podcast, by the way, go to pod617.com to get started. We produce podcasts here. We'll do it for you. We'll take you hire us. We'll take care of all the details, intro music, outro music. If you want to do it from the comfort of your home, we'll send you a good quality usb microphone and uh, all you need to know is at pod617.com so there you go end of plug this is the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city and i've got a such an interesting voice today his name is petros palangian he is the proprietor of a company called good filling offering all natural products for home and body and helping the planet along the way we're going to find out all about what he does he's here in the virtual studio so let's welcome him how are you, my friend? Hey, David. It's, it's good to be on uh, Pod 617. Thank hey, you for having me. Thank you for the plug. So <laughs> this is the first podcast I'm recording today, and uh, I'm on my first cup of coffee. So forgive me, listeners, if I'm a, a little bit off. Petros, however, looks a raring to go. So Petros, tell us tell us about Good Feeling. Let, let's start sort of at the beginning and tell us where, a little bit of, a little bit about your background and how you got to, to starting this 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 company go ahead please yeah yeah absolutely so that first of all i grew up in belmont massachusetts with a 617 number um, was super familiar with the boston area and some of the problems that we face in the boston area i grew up in a relatively big family a family of six and really kind of recognized some of the the waste that we were producing as a family and and always kind of saw that and struggled with that concept of how can we live in this world and and yet produce so much waste. About a year and a half ago, I started the company Good Filling, really with the idea being kind of reducing waste within not only Boston, but kind of New England as a whole, and more specifically honing in on uh, one specific material that tends to be single use and rarely is recyclable or truly recyclable, which is plastic. And so started a business that essentially sells refillable home and personal care products. And so my family of six that goes through a bottle of shampoo or a bottle of laundry detergent in a week rather than a month because we're so large, rather than throwing that out, rather than recycling that, can we give that bottle that should theoretically last for a hundred years? Can we give that bottle more life? And so essentially a year and a half ago, I started a milkman type model where people could drop off their empty bottles or leave it outside of their door. I would collect those empty bottles, bring them back to my headquarters, rinse them out, fill them back up and then redistribute it to a new customer. And so really just focused on giving plastic more life and trying to reduce the amount of waste going into the waste stream. So for the younger listeners among us, and Petros is definitely younger than me, but he knows about the milkman model. So somebody must have told you about it. But so this used to be a thing that w- that to the, the millennials must seem 
like an absurd idea. The milkman would, as the name suggests, deliver the milk, and would, they would come in these big glass jugs, and there was this sort of aluminum cube with a lid on it, just kind of a thin aluminum cube that everybody had, like on the side of their house, and he would put them in that box. Now, I don't remember. I wasn't the one who had to bring in the milk because I was 10 years old, but I imagine you had to grab that pretty quickly because on a summer day, I mean, that thing must have cooked. Anyway, it seems weird to us now, but you're right. We, we, we throw all that stuff out. So you're talking shampoo. What other kind of products can you pull this trick with? Yeah, so so we have it for home care and personal care broadly. So when I say home care, it's laundry detergent, dish soap, hand soap, multi-surface spray, those types of products. Basically anything that you'd be keeping under your sink, for example. For, on the personal care side, we actually have a really big spectrum of products. So obviously shampoo, body wash, conditioner. But we even have stuff like moisturizer and sunscreen and toothpaste, all of which tend to come in an unrecyclable bottle themselves pretty big spectrum of products and we also have a lot of different scents of each of the products and a lot of different brands so we try to give as diverse an offering as we possibly can but at the same time try to pick and choose what the right products are to run this sort of model with so the pro but the products themselves like the shampoos and the moisturizers they are not manufactured by you they are manufactured by others and you're providing the the container and the service do i have that right yeah, that, okay. that's exactly right. Okay. I mean, my ultimate goal throughout all of good filling is to give people the products they're used to using. And so if, if someone loves a Dove soap, I, I grew up on Dove soap and love Dove soap. I, ideally, I would like to be able to refill a bottle of Dove soap. As we started the company, we focused a little bit more on all natural brands. And so uh, we used like seventh generation is a really popular a kind of all natural brand that Unilever owns. We've got Puracy, which is a relatively large player within the refillable space and the all natural space that uh, you could find at Walmart and you can find at kind of more generic stores. But really the idea is why shouldn't we be able to reuse all sorts of plastics and regardless of what type of product you want to fill with. And so while we might've started there for some of the more kind of earthy, crunchy, all natural folks, the ultimate goal is to really bring this sort of sustainability mindset to a much broader audience with kind of any product that you're already using. But it's a challenge, isn't it? Now, you correct me if I'm wrong, because most companies that produce products or I should say sell and distribute products, they need to offer something that other people aren't. Now, I'm not saying you don't do that. You do. You offer this. But but what you're offering is is kind of a societal goodness, a societal more morality so is ultimately, is your job a little bit harder than the average entrepreneur is that you've got to deliver good products in, a, in an efficient way, but also convince people that this is worth doing? Yeah, I, I think every entrepreneur thinks what they're doing is potentially harder than what everyone else is <laughs> okay. doing. When, yeah, try, when when try, try producing podcasts, man. It's no, yeah, walk, it's no yeah. walk in the park. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. No, that's a fair point. I, I mean, it definitely is a challenge. And, and, and frankly, the, the biggest challenge we face is really on the marketing side and getting our sort of kind of voice out there and letting people know what sort of opportunity exists within the waste that they produce. A lot of people aren't familiar with the fact that 9% of plastics get recycled. A lot of people aren't familiar with throwing something in the recycling bin does not mean it gets recycled. Odds are it goes to a facility. Maybe it kind of goes to the next step of being shipped to Southeast Asia, and then it's a black hole, and odds are it ends up in an ocean out there. And 
I mean, it's an awful, awful system, but that, that tends to be our biggest challenge is really in and around the marketing and just continuing to get the word out. But as it relates to some of our kind of other challenges, we've, we've definitely found kind of our own little niche in that people really care about sustainability and the people who kind of do adopt our sort of system keep coming back. They like the fact that refills of our products are a dollar cheaper than they could get directly from our very own suppliers. And so if you go on puracy.com, which was one of the suppliers I was talking about earlier, a hand soap is roughly $5. If you buy it on our website as a refill and you're reusing that plastic and giving us that plastic back, we sell it for $4. And the idea really being let's incentivize that plastic reuse. And I think people really kind of like gravitate towards that. So it's not only our Am I doing what's right by the planet? But I'm also saving money at the end of the day. So it's it's a little bit of a win-win. What about water? Do you do water? That seems like a big recycle there, problem. There, there are a lot of players in that space. I, I would love to ultimately do it. And frankly, the amount of plastic you can offset in that industry is actually higher than my own industry. If you think about it, people are drinking water all the time. I mean, I've got a water bottle right here. It looks like, yep. You have a water bottle as well. I re, I refilled uh, I refill this all day, Petros. Yeah, as far as as you can tell, I, I now, refill this. You do but. it. You you walk the walk. So that's a whole different ball of wax, is what you're saying with the water. Yeah, you, you, I think you've come along at an opportune time because, and you tell me what you think about this. I was just listening to a podcast in the car this morning, not one of my podcasts, but the Adam Carolla podcast, and he likes to sort of make interesting observations about society and the way we do things. And he noted that for his generation, which happens to be my generation also, we save ketchup packets and relish packets and little honey mustard packets and napkins and plastic utensils that get left over from takeout. And we throw them all in this drawer, which is like a chaotic drawer of all this stuff. And he admitted you rarely end up using the old ketchup, but you might. And and he just hates the idea of waste. And he said... He said he was talking to people who are in their 20s, and they wouldn't even dream of doing such a thing. They just throw it away. Everything is thrown away, and it's like it, it's kind of like it is a thing in the society. Like in the old days, if your TV broke, you took it to the TV repair place. So now there kind of isn't a TV. I mean, there are places you can get it repaired, but for the most part, if your TV breaks now, you buy a new TV. Do you think that's true? Is that a generational thing, and is that something you're you're fighting against? It somewhat goes both ways. So one of the things that my marketing team is constantly pressing me on is who is your ideal customer? And I I, I keep going back to them and saying, look, tr- truly, it is everyone. Everyone is living in this world. Everyone has a stake in this world. And everyone should care about the waste that they are ultimately producing and what their community looks like. And, and really what I've seen over the last year and a half is is almost two different buckets of individuals. There's the There's the high school educated, the college educated individuals who've grown up knowing that CO2 is reaching dangerous levels, climate change is real, like we we have some serious problems to face as it relates to the climate, that that really want to do something and care about doing something, and and frankly are oftentimes enabled to do something with that education. And so that that really being kind of one bucket of individuals who, who are kind of the early adopters. The other one is actually that older generation. And, and that one surprises some people, but for some reason you 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 jumped right on it. That the older generation is familiar with the milkman model, is right. familiar with saving things and not just arbitrarily throwing them out. I think in some ways my generation grew up with this idea that 
you buy something if you like it like you keep it if not like you keep it potentially it hangs on the the hook for a year before you even use it but or alternatively you return it and it doesn't actually get reused or it doesn't go back into the store and I, I, you're exactly right. There's this kind of dichotomy between the younger generation and the older generation who's doing it for very different reasons. But ultimately, I, I'm a firm believer that we, we all should care about the waste being produced. Mm-hmm. I just realized that you went to my rival high school, sort of. I went to Milton Academy, and you, Petros, okay. you, Petros went to Belmont Hill, or as we would say, kill the hill! Kill we never killed the hill. We almost always lost. However, the, <laughs> what, did you remember Milton being one of your rivals, or did you have a different rival? I, I definitely do remember Milton being my rival. My oh, cousins good. went to Milton, Not- and so I, I have both fond memories of Milton, but also I, I, I personally enjoyed beating you guys in tennis. So. <laughs> okay. We, we, had, we had a guy who was like named Pat Perry in my class who was an awesome tennis player, and I think he won everything back in those days, but who knows? I played basketball, and I don't think the four years I was there, I don't think we ever beat you. So, But fun, fun memories of uh, traveling to Belmont Hill. So let me ask you a question about uh, young Petros, and was there a moment where this whole idea of recycling and avoiding waste kind of hit you? Did, did you notice all the... the the soda cans being thrown out or some such thing, or tell me about that. Yeah. I I mean, there's a couple different ways to answer this. If it was, when did good feeling start and when did your kind of true passion in and around the subject start? I would say it probably wasn't young Petros or I guess young is maybe relative. If if it's like, when did you kind of notice that something was wrong in the system? I would, I would probably say it was at a much younger age. I, I was fortunate enough that that my mom grew up in South Africa and one year kind of took us out over there. And, and, and while being there, I noticed this kind of bizarre trend or what seemed bizarre, at least in the United States, of the glass Coca-Cola bottles that we were drinking from. If you went for lunch, if you went for dinner, the glass Coca-Cola bottles, they would charge you an extra 10 cents every time you bought a full glass Coca-Cola bottle but they very much expected you to return it right back to that restaurant when you were done with it. And and really with the idea being those glass bottles were then collected, refilled, and then go back out. And that glass had some sort of worth or value. As I translated that back into the United States, the the Coca-Cola can or the Coca-Cola bottle that we had, it's being thrown, well, frankly, oftentimes it's being thrown in the trash, but hopefully it's being thrown in the recycling. And then you never think about it. And and I think that was kind of an eye-opening moment for me in a lot of ways. I mean, my definitely my mom's kind of background permeated our own culture. I always saved those those aluminum cans. We always got the five cents back. Actually, most recently, I think there was a bill to to increase the five cents to ten cents to keep up with inflation. But that sort of kind of cultural difference. I think there are a lot of other countries and a lot of other cultures that um, are much more forward thinking when it comes to the waste they produce. So I think that was probably some of the kind of eye opening moments. The Coke tastes better uh, coming out of a glass bottle also. And I think that's the way it was meant to meant, meant to be. In fact, I, I think it's the sugar, but I like your theory that it's the glass. <laughs> too. Well, I remember, and I was kind of quick on the Google machine here. I just called up this. Uh, now, you don't remember seeing this television ad live, but it's an ad featuring Mean Joe Green of the Pittsburgh Steelers and a little kid. I'm going to play it, and let's see see what kind of... Yeah. yeah. You, you need any help? 
I just want you to know, I think, I think you're the best ever. Yeah, sure. Want my Coke? <laughs> It's okay, you can have it. No, no. Really, you can have it. So he's handing him a bottle, a glass okay. bottle of Coke. And of course, Joe's chugging the entire Coke, which nobody does ever. Then the end of the ad, Joe takes his jersey and extends it to the kid. <laughs> Have you ever seen that ad? No. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a little too young. Uh, well, I know, but they play it back sometimes because it's a classic. And it just reminded me, those days, those Coke bottles were a lot more common. And now when you see it, it's like uh, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And I, I presume that people don't don't dig buying them so much because the plastic ones are probably cheaper. And But, man, tastes good. It tastes good coming out of that ball. Anyway, so tell us for the, the consumer experience here and – my apologies if you already covered this, but maybe, um, again, first podcast, I'm a little bleary-eyed. Subscription model, do, do, do people tend to pick a bunch of different products to have delivered by way of good filling, or do they cherry-pick? How does that work? So we do a little bit of both. We have bundles where they can get a whole bunch of products. If you want a shampoo, conditioner, body wash, ooh, excuse me. All together, you're, you're certainly welcome to do. To answer your subscription, yes, you can order it as a subscription if you want it delivered every month and you get a fresh bottle every month and you leave it out every month and you can schedule it a little bit as well or every two months, every three months, depending on how quickly you use it. You're welcome to do that as well. But if you just need a hand soap, if you're out of hand soap, essentially we'll deliver it directly to your door within one business day. So typically kind of sub 24 hours, I think our typical drop off time is sub 24 hours right now. And so look, the, the reality is when someone's out of laundry detergent, it's probably because they're about to do laundry mm. or if they're, if they notice they're out of hand soap, it's because <laughs> they just wash their hands and really need hand soap. Yeah. And so from our perspective, it's really important to get it on demand. The one thing I didn't cover actually yet, and, and frankly, this is probably the most exciting part of the business is over the last year and a half, we really focused on that kind of milkman type model. Most recently, we started pivoting towards the self-service machines. And this is, this is truly kind of a brand new concept in the United States and something that has taken off in Scandinavia, in Argentina, in a whole bunch of other countries throughout Europe and South America. But essentially, the, the same way someone walks up in a Boloco to one of those Coca-Cola machines and they say, I want Coca-Cola and I want it lime-flavored, now comes lime-flavored Coke. We have these machines now that you can actually go and say, I want laundry detergent or I want multi-surface spray. And you bring whatever container you have. If it's an empty Dunkin' Donuts cup, mm -hmm. like you could go and hold that underneath the nozzle and out comes uh, laundry detergent or multi-surface spray and That, that really is kind of the focus going forward because when someone needs laundry detergent, they need it right then and there. Right. And so having these in apartment buildings, having these in communal squares, having them in a state building, in an MBTA, in kind of all of these very like familiar places within people's lives, almost like where, where an ATM machine would be, installing them in all of those locations gives them the products on demand doesn't require any sort of container, any sort of virgin plastic, any sort of virgin glass, and frankly, allows me to deliver the products even cheaper. 
And so I was talking earlier about how we discount by a dollar on those machines. We're discounting by a dollar, two dollars. It's it's significantly cheaper because I'm I'm dispensing it out of these large five gallon pails and I'm not paying for that plastic bottle. I'm not paying for the label. I'm not paying for shelf space and CVS or a cardboard box to ship it or bubble wrap to ship it. It's uh, I'm, I'm essentially just giving you exactly what you want. It's just the soap. So that that's the focus going forward. That's our kind of user experience going forward. But, but to date, in order to kind of prove out the need for that, we've been partnering with a whole bunch of buildings with that kind of milkman type model. You can take it a step further on the machines and you can have this idea for free. If you had like a vending machine that dispensed soda, you, what you do is you hit the button for the Coke and then you just put your mouth underneath the spigot. It comes out, no container at all. Or Skittles, they come right out. You hold your hands out. No, I'm, I'm joking, but these machines... I'm sorry if I miss this again, but do they, do they exist now? Or are we going to start to see them popping up or what's the deal there? They do. So we, we have our first four machines. We have a lot more coming in like the March time period, but the one is in an apartment building that we partnered with pretty early on called the Bower, which is in the Fenway area. Mm. It's a super sustainable building. It just won a bunch of sustainability awards this last year. So the user base there, the, the tenants there are super sustainable and already care about that. We saw really, really great adoption over there. We have a publicly accessible one in the Cambridge side Galleria, which is over in the Kendall Square area for anyone not familiar with that mall. I actually just brought one down. So so I I apologize to everyone on this podcast. I moved down to New York about four months ago. Oh. I grew up in Boston. I lived there my entire life. I know. I moved down here with the idea being, can we grow good filling to to incorporate kind of the entire Northeast, not just the Boston area? It just so happens my girlfriend is also living here. So it was convenient for me amongst other reasons. But we just installed our first one in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, which is just outside of New York. And we're definitely focused on kind of the next batch of machines being in the New Jersey area. I've got a couple calls, frankly, later today, one with the Kensington in downtown Boston and one with Boston East and East Boston also to ultimately adopt one of these machines. So definitely seeing a lot of traction with this new model and super excited to bring it to more people. Excellent. I love it. Uh, goodfilling.com is where you go. By the way, tremendous job capturing that url did you have to buy that url i did it was surprisingly cheap when i first got it it, mm. it hopefully is worth something now that i have it yeah. but um yeah yeah just surprised that somebody hadn't snatched that already and and held on to it but anyway goodfilling.com is where you go is that all the all people need to know petros or anything else people should know about signing up no, I, I mean, that's exactly right. You, you order it on the website. It shows up directly to your door. If you have one of these apartment complexes that we're a partner with, it's free delivery. We also have a bunch of public locations all throughout greater Boston. And so if you go to one of those, you can pick up your products for free, drop off your empty bottles there. But yeah, you, you go to the website, you order whatever products you want. If you have empty plastic bottles that you want to return to us, you can select refill. If you don't and you want a starter bottle, you click starter, and, and that's really about it. Very good. Petros, do you have five minutes to stick around and play around the good stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we will do that where 
the good stuff segment of the show. It's your favorite listeners. I know it is. Both Petros and I will recommend something good for you to consume, enjoy, to learn about in just a moment. Before we do that, let me take one minute to tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. It's a great way to reach your audience, clients, prospects, people in your network. They will be amazed when they get invited to be on your show. You can join us here in our radio quality studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. We don't have a location in New York yet, Petros, but maybe someday. By the way, I own the URL to pod212.com, so if any aspiring podcasters in uh, New York want to partner up with me, let's talk. Uh, go to pod617.com to get started. We'll take care of the whole show for you. Intro music, outro music, editing, posting, distribution. The whole mishpucha, as my people would say. No, the whole Megillah. Ugh, got my Yiddish mixed up today. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, in pod we trust. All right, let's play around with good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right. Petros, you are the guest. I invite you to go first. Do you have something to share with our listeners? I do. I, I'll stick to the theme of sustainability mm-hmm. on this one. That's fine. And this one is a service that exists throughout greater Boston. It's a composting service. And I apologize if someone's kind of pitched this before, uh, but it's called bootstrap compost. Mm. There, there's a whole bunch of competitors as well. So if you don't want to do bootstrap, there's others. Um, but broadly it's this idea of uh, a composting service You'll see it all through kind of Boston proper. You'll see these little buckets outside of people's doors. And essentially the way it works is throughout the course of a week, you take all of your compostable items. So an apple core, an eggshell, or actually maybe not eggshells, but uh, a little piece of meat that you didn't eat, um, vegetables, kind of the ends to carrots and whatnot. You throw it in a bucket, you put the lid on the bucket so you don't smell anything, which is really nice. <laughs> and you just leave it outside your door at the end of the week. And so every Tuesday or every other Tuesday, they'll pick up this bucket, leave you an empty bucket. That's actually similar to the milkman and part of the, the, the way I came up with Goodfill. They'll pick it up. They'll bring it back to their facility where it's industrial composted, which potentially and oftentimes is much stronger than kind of what you can do at home. And it's a relatively cheap service, which is really great. If you have a bunch of roommates, it's awesome. If you have a big family, it's awesome. Even if you have a neighbor that wants to do it, theoretically, you can kind of share a bucket. Don't tell them that I said said to do that because you should probably get two buckets. But that, that that's the one I'm going to pitch. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. It's relatively cheap. I can't remember their exact programs, but it's like every other week is like $5 a month to pick up every week is like $10 a month to pick up. And especially when you have kind of that network effect or that density effect where kind of you and your neighbors are all doing it, they see your bucket, they want to sign up, it becomes really cheap for them to off- operate. And they know that they appreciate that. And in a lot of ways, they're kind of passing on some of those savings to you as much as they can. And also, you get a whole bunch of compost back from them, which is pretty cool. You can order a bag of compost or uh, like essentially a bucket of compost. And so if you've got a garden at home, if you have flowers at home that could use a little bit of extra nutrients, it's also great from that mm. from that perspective as well. So yeah, it's uh, bootstrapcompost.com is where you go to find out more info there. The According to the website, more than 8 million pounds of stuff. That's my word, but composted already by the company. You reminded me when I was summer camp employee, there's a year when you're a counselor in training, you have to wait on the kids. You're, you're basically waiters for the whole summer. And at least in those days, 
we did pay attention to the the compost and and I don't know what happened to it whether it was sold to farmers or something but as a result you had to scrape off all the food that was left over into this big bucket and then the other stuff the paper stuff of course went into the trash and so there was paper and the but the bucket was called swill and it it was it was struck fear in all of us because yeah as you can imagine it didn't look very good it didn't smell very good but but yeah. we had the right uh, strategy in mind, I guess so. Yeah, bootstrapcompost.com. So, oh, go ahead. Another thought, Petros, go ahead. Yeah, the, the one other thing I was going to pitch oh, go about ahead. that is that, and, and frankly, a lot of people don't know this, is that, I mean, those food scraps that a lot of people are used to just throwing in the trash and it ends up in a landfill, the, the way that physically breaks down is just very different than a composting process. And so... Uh, frankly, people in my own family, and I won't name names on this one, think mm-hmm. that, hey, if it's ending up in the landfill, it's the same thing. Who who really cares? Mm-hmm. But but frankly, the way that food breaks down in the landfill releases a lot of methane, which is a CO2-like gas and, frankly, a stronger CO2-like gas. And so, I mean, from for those global warming folks, like this is absolutely a way to reduce the amount of methane, amount of CO2 that you're producing. And uh, the other factor of it is your your trash is going to be a lot smaller. About forty percent of waste today is food waste, and so by by taking that food waste out of there and instead doing this service, your actual physical trash bin itself will be much smaller, and hopefully you won't have to take out your trash quite as often. Well, that's so, that's a good thing. You're you're a good person to ask this question. Are you aware of the enormous pile of garbage, like something like the size of Texas floating off the coast of California or something. Yeah. Is that where it is? I don't know. There's a few of them. There's oh. the great Pacific garbage patch. There's one in the Atlantic. That's the same, the, the kind of in and around Indonesia, there's like massive Island sized ones. There's quite a few and it's, it, it's pretty heartbreaking because it's really, really thick. But uh, as it relates to that, uh, almost, of marine birds have plastics in them or microplastics in them. The vast majority of the fish that we're eating has microplastics in them. They say that in a week, we consume on average a credit card's worth of microplastic in our food, which is absolutely terrifying. We know how bad plastic is. It's carcinogenic, so on and so forth. But it's it's all around us and largely because of ocean patches like that. Yeah, it, it is. To, I'm not as moved by this cause as you are, of course, Petros. But that does get me when I think about those those piles of garbage. And I just think, as as citizens of the planet Earth, we are really behaving like a house guest that comes to your house, like trashes the place, leaves garbage all around, leaves your bathroom a mess, and then just takes off without helping you clean up. That's what, that's what it feels like. We're terrible. So I will share a recommendation about a, a TV show that you you may have heard of. A lot of people are talking about it. It's called – it actually has to do with the fate of the planet, if you want a, a through line there to what Petros does. But this is about the, the – imagines a future of the planet where most people have died, but not because of garbage, because of some virus. This has nothing to do with the coronavirus. The show is called Station Eleven. It's on HBO Max. I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer here so you get a flavor for it. All that matters is the now and what got us to this point. Stay with me, sir. Stay with me. Where's your mom or dad? I don't know. I can't leave you here. I'll walk you to the L. I think this thing is really happening. You can see it out there. Uh, Can I have your attention, please? We have shelter. We have food. 
This is the best thing that could have possibly happened. We're the traveling symphony. We travel for a reason. Let's try to make the world make sense for a minute. No one finds people from before. Sometimes I think we should be out there looking for them. All right, that gives you enough of a flavor. I'm kind of upset that I watched that because that just kind of gave something away, and I'm only on episode two. It is the trailer, so I, I won't give any spoilers here, but are you familiar with the the show, Petros? I've never seen it, but I'm I'm a huge fan of HBO in general. Their content is as good as it gets. Yeah. It looks good. So, yeah, if you're a fan of shows that are kind of uh, – if you've ever seen the movie – 12 Monkeys, which is about a virus, and it just imagines a kind of dystopian future. Or even a show like Lost, where the characters are stranded just uh, inexplicably on this island, which seems to have weird powers, and you kind of don't know what's going on half the time. That's that's the comparison I can make to Station Eleven. It, I know the, the trailer you heard, listeners, wasn't completely self-explanatory, so just... It, it flashes back between the days just before this, this massive virus hits the planet Earth and then 20 years later, and it follows this young girl who's an actress. And But there are all kinds of mysteries, like why is are people still alive that she used to know back in the day? She's part of this traveling troupe of actors, and it's a it really is kind of a stripped-down society. Like there's one scene where she, the the main character is describing to a friend what a smartphone is because they don't exist anymore. And it's actually kind of a funny moment because she said, wow, you could do all that on the phone. And the other woman says, well, it really wasn't that great. <laughs> like we could have done without them, which is probably how a lot of us feel, mixed feelings. Anyway, so uh, Station 11, I'm only through a couple episodes, but I would recommend it. So far, it's excellent. And I, I hear the rest of it's great. So I'll report back to you listeners when I've uh, listened to the entire thing. Petros, a Palangian, you've been a good sport, and goodfeeling.com is where you go. Any any parting thoughts, my friend? No, I I really appreciate you having me on here. It was it was a fun process as well, and thank you for thank you for hosting. My pleasure. Goodfeeling.com. Go there, check it out. I'm gonna check it out. You could be there, there could be soap delivered to your door today. There could be someone showing up and pouring Skittles into your mouth. No, I'm just kidding about that part. But goodfeeling.com. Thank you, Petros. Thank you, listeners, for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you want your own podcast, I encourage you to go to pod617.com to get started. You can be the next big podcast star. And on behalf of Petros, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. 